So, okay, this is where things get a little bit uh, uh, nutty, and I guess it kind of comes down to what domain knowledge you have prior to coming into this. So let me ask you a question to start off. What do you think ChatGPT is? Well, I think it is pretty darn close to what they actually describe it as, or at least what ChatGPT describes itself as, which is a language-based model, which is basically going ahead and it's an algorithm. Again, I'm not probably not using the right terms here, so forgive me. It's an algorithm that will go ahead and take text that it collects over its sources. Um, from my understanding, it's largely from a lot of uh, more professional, more educational resources that exist out there. It is pulling a lot from the internet as well, but like for instance, uh, scientific documentation. Um, sure. I, I believe there's a few other, uh, I don't know what you would call them, um, basically scholarly sources that they take from. Um, but essentially what the real point of chat GPT is, is you go ahead and you give it an input and it gives you an output. And that output is specifically geared towards trying to find the best next word after the previous word it just gave you. To go yes. ahead and fulfill the full idea. Yes and no is the best answer to that. So okay. let me let me back it up and explain a couple of things here. So first and foremost, GPT stands for Generative uh, Pre-Trained Transformer. The important part of GPT is the T part, the transformer part. Mm -hmm. So a transformer, real quick, is just a type of neural network. Uh, it was developed not terribly long ago, like I think 2018, something like that, uh, by some guys, really brilliant guys down at Google. Um, basically, the big thing that a transformer did that was so completely revolutionary as opposed to other neural networks, because we've had neural networks for years now. Yeah. The thing that a transformer model does is it provides an attention layer or a attention mechanism is the hmm. technical term, if you want to call it that. Uh, but yeah, so when you describe it as being a neural network that tries its best to guess what the next uh, word in alignment is, you're half right. It is trying its best to understand the full context of the, uh, the prompt that you gave it, its response, and every token prior to its next word. Now, okay, things. I want to get too in depth, so please stop me if I ever get too in depth. Now you're good. I'll tell you. So, big thing is, you got these transformer models. Um, the one model we had for NLP back in the day, right before transformer models, was called an, a recurrent neural network. And it does exactly what you basically described. It was the primitive version of this. It took uh, the first word in the sentence. It took the second word in the sentence, it took the third, the fourth, so on and so forth, and then it would try to understand the context of each one as it moved along. So it would uh, check the first word against the second word, and then it would move on to the third. So it would take the third, the second, the first, and so on and so forth. The problem is speech, especially English, doesn't work that way. It's yeah. very, uh, very context heavy. If you've ever heard of anyone uh, discuss English as a context heavy language, it is perhaps one of the most context heavy. I would um, agree. So that's a big challenge when it comes to any machine because machines don't really quite understand that. But that's where this attention mechanism kind of comes in. Attention mechanism, it computes tokens. Um, so brief thing, tokens are basically what you and I would consider uh, individual words, but they're not 
always individual words. That's kind of the caveat. Um, but for instance, the word the would be assigned a token. The word hmm. forward would be assigned potentially two tokens, depending on the algorithm. Sure. And then a transformer model takes each of these individual tokens that it's received and computes each and every single token against each and every single token, including the ones it's responding with. It's like it's predictive, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it is definitely predictive. Incredibly so. In, in, just, in regards to language, I should specify yeah. I'm talking about language. I'm not talking about it's predicting you know, the future or anything like that. I think oh, God, no. That's yeah, actually something we talked about later because <laughs> I think that's where a lot of this, like, oh, the AI is the future. I'm like, well, I mean, AI is going to be around. I agree. But I don't think it's going to be what people think it is. Anyways, For sorry. Sure. Didn't mean to take out. Uh, no, you're perfectly all right. But basically, you're right. This is a huge step forward when it comes to a technological advance in the realm of language processing. Uh, it's much more natural. It's much more of how our brains work. Um, we pay mm -hmm. attention to the context of the sentence before and as we are saying the words we say in response to whatever yeah. we're hearing. Yeah. So that's exactly what this is all about. And then take that transformer model, because again, this was developed back in like, I want to say 2018. I, I'm not terribly certain if I'm correct on that, but it's not terribly long ago. It's been several years, however. That's the thing. So why all of a sudden in 2023 or 2022, at the end of it, are we seeing a huge explosion in developments here? And it really comes down to data. Um, the brilliant thing about the transformer model is once they realized that the only thing we needed was this attention mechanism, that basically almost all of human cognition and language really comes down to what we're paying attention to as we're saying it and uh, as we're responding to things. The only missing component was data. So they just start feeding this thing as much publicly available data as they could. They took Stack Overflow. They took GitHub. They took um, Reddit comments. Uh, there's just about any source of data online that you can find for sure. free they took it including things like archive which is a huge thing when it comes to scientific Absolutely. articles but that was it that was the big thing the big revelation why everyone so uh kind of like this ai arms race is launched is because everybody yeah. realized we have the underlying algorithm now we just need the data now everybody's trying to grab as much data as possible and feed it to these things i i think i think you're definitely right i think data is a huge factor there um it, it's interesting that you say that that's the reason I think there's more to it than that. Um, but I'm going to save that for later because I think it's going to be uh, another kind of discussion in itself, but I want to go back to what you were saying in regards to, and forgive me, is it attention with an A? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Attention. Just like you, I pay you, attention to something. Okay. And can you speak a little bit more, like maybe define that word as again, as it pertains to AI specifically? Uh, yeah, I'll do my best here. It's not exactly something yeah, I high say. level does not need to be. Uh, it's it really is uh, as the name is. Uh, it's what the model is paying attention to. Um, so neural networks they they build themselves as running under a series of weights and biases. Uh, you can kind of think of as a, I hate the analogy because I haven't found a better one yet, but a pachinko machine. You drop okay. the ball yep. and as the ball moves, it bounces off of each peg in the machine as it falls down the machine. It's a probability um, machine. Well, kind of not not really a probability machine, so don't don't think of it as probability. Okay. It's more of reinforcing 
the proper path. Imagine gotcha. you were constantly dropping the ball at the same place, the exact same way I every single time. Yes. It's going to fall the same way every single time. And as it hits those pegs or these weights and biases, those weights and biases become much more important to that machine. Okay. And that's what attention is. It's, it's determining what is important within the sense that it's given, within the tokens that it is processing, which ultimately tokens get normalized into something like digits between zero and uh, one, you know, with multiple digits after the point. Um, but these numbers are what are ultimately being computed by the machine, hmm. and they each represent something that it needs to pay attention to. The higher the value, the, the more weight of the value, the more the machine needs to pay attention to that. Sure. And that's how it computes these various different responses and frankly why we've seen such a huge increase in what these models can do. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. Um, I think the technology to your point is definitely increasing very rapidly. Um, I think it's getting a lot of popular culture attention. I think that's a big reason for the boom as well. Sure. Um, which by the way, welcome to the reboot podcast. <laughs> Uh, reboot culture podcast specifically. Um, obviously, host Nick here. I've got my brother Jake on for episode two. We're talking about AI today. So you had a, a bit of a long cold open there. And I don't want to go ahead and chop up the momentum too much here. But I figured that'd be a good time to throw that in. So, um, But I, I do think the popular culture aspect is a big part of it. You kind of talked about it a little bit earlier um, with the... Um, the amount of data that's going into it. Obviously, the technology is catching up. I would agree. I think that's a big portion I'm a little bit more cynical. Uh, are you familiar with Adam Adam Conover at all? I, uh, yeah, I think he's the guy who runs the Adam, Adam ruins everything. Yeah, ruins everything. Yeah, um, I uh, keep going. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have a feeling I, I know find what you're him say. wrong on so many levels. I, if anytime it, he talks about a domain, <laughs> I'm actually familiar with. Uh, just like most experts who are influencers, I just gotta look there and shake my head and yeah. pretty much disgust. I will say that I think Adam brings up some really good points. Um, I definitely agree. I think he has a tendency to be, because I think part of it's part of his brand um, that he goes ahead and looks at it in a very pessimistic way. Um, now, I think he picks topics that are very, very pessimistic, but I also think he tries to pick current um, current events, you know, current topics that are really going to latch on and, you know, you know, game the algorithm. Um, Anyways, the reason I bring him up is his latest video was on AI. And I think that what he said in a lot of ways, not all of them, but in a lot of ways was very accurate, um, which is the biggest reason AI is really taken off now is that tech needs something new to latch on to. Uh, we've had the Internet of Things, you know, we've most recently the metaverse has been finally well, I say finally, it's very quietly dying off and giving off its last breaths right now. Um, even Facebook has recently, you know, essentially gone ahead and completely shifted resources away from Horizons and all of their metaverse stuff to focus solely, not solely, but heavily into AI, um, which we see that in a lot of different companies right now. So I think it's largely because they need the new juice. They need something else that's going to go ahead and keep investors happy, um, continue to go ahead and try to draw in market share. Um, I think this is just the low-hanging fruit for a lot of these companies. And like you said, I mean, technology is there. From what I understand, this is maybe where you can go ahead and give me some of your expertise. It's fairly easy to replicate the basis of an AI. Um, obviously, you have the different models that you go ahead and feed it. And obviously, you can go ahead and tweak it in many different ways. But 
my understanding is that the core of generating something like this is fairly straightforward. So here's where I have to both agree and disagree with what you just said. That's exactly so what we do off, all the time here. So <laughs> yeah, I know I'm going to do a lot of that. That's just who I am. Um, but basically, first off, I disagree with the premise that tech always has to have a big hype thing going on. There is definitely an element of that. There are venture capitalist firms, especially along lines of Andreessen Horowitz, that are very much in the in the moment capitalization. They're going to run the hype cycle. They're going to pay journalists to write articles. They're going to make it a huge big thing because they're investing in startups and companies that deal with that thing. We saw that during crypto for sure. Metaverse, just the same. The reason why I don't think it's entirely that, and I think it's a misnomer to say, oh, this is just the next big thing. Uh, We need another hype thing. Tech's always in development. There's always something new coming down the pipeline. There's never not going to be something new so long as we have new blood and new developers joining the scene. That's just the nature of the thing. Um, But it's not like we have some sort of set cycle we always have to go through. Crypto didn't just die in a year and then we moved on to the next year's thing. Crypto took several years to do that. Um, Why? Because really nothing had happened, sure. But then once Metaverse and Web3 and all this sort of stuff comes along, that's when you start to see the prior thing sort of die off and stop trending, the hype cycle, if you've ever heard. Um, In fact, I think it really is important that I do bring up the hype cycle. Uh, I forget who it is. I think it's Gartner. Uh, Gartner? Yeah, so Gartner, uh, a... Basically, a tech consulting firm of sorts um, developed an idea called the hype cycle. And the hype cycle is pretty simple. It's understanding when a new technology is developed, how the hype, the the media attention influences the actual development of that technology. Um, and you, anytime you look it up, it looks kind of like your standard bell curve distribution. Uh, as a technology kind of rises in popularity, uh, it'll gain all this attention and then things start to go really wild as you reach the peak. That's when people are promising you the world. That's when they're promising this is going to change everything. Bitcoin's going to change the future of money and all that utter bullshit. Um, so after a while, you can only handle so much of that before it starts to take a dive and the hype sort of goes sure. sour. Um, most startups die at that point. It's that point where it's on the downtrend. It's when things sour. Uh, the good startups will start to level off and then move into the uh, the productivity side of things where they can be productive and there's no real hype anymore. Um, we didn't see this with crypto because basically crypto was ultimately just a big old scam. I'm, I'm going to be no, honest here. They're still trying. They're trying to oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, but uh, we saw the one development that crypto gave us, and that's just the ability to run a proof-of-work system, and that's <laughs> literally it. That was all it ever did, and anybody thinking otherwise is deluding themselves. Yeah, the fact that we're Regardless. still... Yeah, I don't want to take us off track, but the fact that we're still, what, seven? Way, way, way more than seven. We're at a decade since uh, Bitcoin white paper came out, um, and we still don't have any really discernible proof of, you know of concept. So, I mean, does it exist? Sure. Is it being used the way that everyone was hoping? No, absolutely not. So yeah, no, I definitely agree there. I think I, I, 
I hear what you're saying. I think you're right. VCs do have the, the requirement to go ahead and produce. I'm going to say the public companies in the same boat. And I think a lot of companies nowadays, not just technology, I think a lot of companies nowadays understand that they need to go ahead and invest in the hype machine in some way. That's how they keep people interested. And it's like it's like we talked about with like Metaverse um, years back uh, with different companies. Like it was a marketing term. Like everybody internally wasn't using it, but anytime that they were on investor calls or they're doing something else, that's when they would bring up, you know, oh yeah, we're we're thinking about the Metaverse. You know, we're we're going ahead and and looking forward. And meanwhile, nothing was actually being truly planned for it. And I think AI is different. I'm not saying that it's not being planned for, but I think it is a, I think it is receiving more attention than it normally would. Just by happenstance, it, they need to almost create an arms race. That's how they can go ahead and prove that they are still worthy of investor dollars. So this is where I think I disagree. And that's basically anytime a large sum of money moves around in this market inside of tech, like it is right now, or mm -hmm. like it was in metaverse or like it was in crypto, whatever it happens to be, you're going to see a hype cycle boom. You're going to see a hype cycle be created by the simple virtue of there is a lot of money moving here. And that's sure. what we're seeing here. But that doesn't necessarily mean that this is somehow an undeserved hype is the big thing I'm yeah. trying to get at. Because I think that's fair. Yeah, look at the look at the technologies in a recent decade alone that have been undergoing such hype. Look at where they came from. Number one. I'm going to keep beating this dead horse because I hate crypto and I hate crypto bros. <laughs> but crypto, the Bitcoin white paper, came out of freaking nowhere. It was a harebrained thing by likely an academic. Satoshi's probably just a guy named Adam Back. We're still not sure. But regardless, some dude just comes out of the woodwork and here's a white paper that's going to revolutionize and change everything. Uh, nothing really came of that because there was nothing really there. No. The next thing, Mark Zuckerberg starts building up a hype engine around Meta and his concept of the metaverse. Again, this is an undeserved hype cycle because it's just him making a lot of really poor financial decisions as he tries to save the sinking ship yeah. that is thinks, Facebook. Yeah, he thinks he's a futurist. And sure. so he thinks he can see you know where things and are going. I completely don't blame him. That's this is the problem with innovation well, and capitalism, personally. But that's neither here nor there. I'm all, it's also the part of the brainwashing of Silicon Valley. But yeah, uh, I, okay, we'll we'll talk about that at some point. But <laughs> I, I want to keep going. So we've those are the big two. The <clears throat> other one is AI, and now I'm I've been in this space long enough to know that we've had two. AI hype cycles. There was the AI hype oh. cycle shortly after the whole Internet of Things hype cycle. Yeah. And that one was completely undeserved. There was nothing really there. It was just a bunch of people bloviating about how much data we have. And, oh, if only someone were to utilize all this data, we could somehow do some really cool things. There was no real technology. We had Cortana showed up. We had Siri show up. We had Google Home and the Google Assistant. All those guys became a thing and then ultimately flopped. Yeah. Now they're mostly just things you yeah. occasionally talk to. They're voice yeah. interfaces. Nothing terribly special. Still special in ways, I mean, but... I love... I, I mean, I use Siri to set timers all the time, which sure. I feel like is the only thing that anybody does with those things. But but that's the thing. It was just a vocal interface. That was not yeah. AI. AI was a nebulous concept. Now, yeah. here's why this is different now. This 
is different because this came out of academia. This is part of the logical progression of AI research in NLP. This came from a research paper submitted from Google's research branch called Google Brain. You can look it up. It's a paper by the name of Attention is All You Need. You can find it on archive. It's all free and everything. And it's utterly mind-blowing how much of a development it truly is in the field. Sure. When it was first released, when Transformers became a thing all of a sudden, it was big. This is one of those things where, yeah, this is a genuine advancement within the field. I don't think... I, now, this is where I have to divorce what I'm saying versus what a lot of people think, and that's Transformers have done a really incredible thing, and we're just about on the cusp of one of the biggest technological revolutions of our lifetimes versus ChatGPT is going to take your job and ruin everything about your sure. life because it's just a bunch of bullshit. Like, there's some real unpacking we got to do between here, but I fully agree with my statement that Transformers have utterly uh, changed the state of technology and natural language processing is at such a level that we can genuinely start integrating it as a part of the stack everywhere in technology and software. Sure. No, I, I think, um, I think, I think that's exactly where my thinking is at as well. Like this is impressive technology. I think there's a lot that can be learned from it and a lot that can be, we can use, utilize it for, um, but yeah, these people who are concerned that Jat Chat GPT is going to go ahead and actually take somebody's job right now is ludicrous. Um, I think it is interesting steps forward. Um, I don't want to necessarily get into the opinion just yet, but we're going to probably start sure. to sprinkling more of our own personal opinions here. Um, I want to get your thoughts as well, but just to kind of kick it off, I'll say that I've been using Chat GDP, uh, GPT, good Lord, um, as well as uh, Bing. I've not used Bard or anything like that. And I know there's a few others that exist out there, but I mostly use Chat GPT just to kind of go ahead and mess around with it. Obviously, that was where a lot of the hype was at. I'm fairly unimpressed. Anytime I give it a question that is uh, related to, and again, let me go ahead and say, here's my experience and I'll explain what I, here's my reasoning why I think it, it, it is the way that it is. Um, but anytime I've asked it questions, I've asked queries of it. Um, I've gone ahead and said, Hey, can you give me, um, maybe an outline or a plan for something? Um, can you go ahead and write a, uh, blog post for me? Um, the results every time have been what something I would expect from actually, you, you may have even been the person that kind of gave me this, this analogy. It's, it's what I expect from like a 10th grader. Um, actually, I think it was a friend of ours, um, who's, who's a writer. Um, don't want to give his name just cause I don't want to draw any attention that if he doesn't want it. Um, but you know, he's talking about how, Hey, you know, as a writer, he reads this stuff and he's like, I'm pretty sure a high schooler could do better than the stuff that this thing is kicking out. Um, which that's kind of what I feel like. And I get, I get it. It's in, it's in its infancy. That's what I was going to say. I think a lot of this is still new, still fresh. Plus it's a language based model. It is not a search engine. It is not supposed to be, you know, your personal assistant. Can it try to do those things? Sure. It can try to do those things. Can I ask it what the most recent news is? And it's going to give me the news that, Hey, by the way, Queen Elizabeth's husband just died. Like, yeah, that was how long ago? So I'm fairly unimpressed overall with the the real efficiency behind it, but the technology is interesting, and I think eventually we can get it up to that point. Certainly. Now, here's where I have to agree and disagree. Agree and disagree. Yeah, so I agree. Um, 
if you're looking at ChatGPT and you're expecting it to be this, hey, robot, do a thing for me, and oh, it just does it. And let me specify, I was not expecting way. that. But I was trying sure. to go ahead and see what other people were doing with that. But, yeah, but I think I that's agree. a lot of the expectation that revolves around Completely. this is there's a lot of, hey, robot, do this thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're going to be disappointed with the results because that's not exactly what it's built for. Um, first and foremost, ChatGPT, if anything, is a strong contender to something like Google. Um, is Google 100% right about the search results it provides you when you search for it? No. Is it generally worse. pretty darn good? I would agree with that. Let's get to there in a moment. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that this is the next advancement, the way that transformers are being utilized in sure. ChatGPT. That is an example of this new core true innovation being applied in the realm of web-based search. I agree. And that's yep. ultimately what it is. Now, second, the big thing to understand about these things is that we are so bad right now of actually using them. We do okay. not have the skills. We misinterpret the idea that just because we can talk to the thing in our natural <laughs> language, that somehow that makes the thing work. And then, of course, we're disappointed because we're like, oh, hey, I would like this. And it's going to take the bare bones of what it knows to give you that. It's going to be bare minimal results. That's where things get crazy, though, because have you ever heard of the concept of prompt engineering? Um, I am not that exact terminology for it. Yes, but uh, I am familiar with it in the sense that it is something I believe that the millennial generation in particular was kind of the first one to pick it up um, when it relates to going ahead and making search queries online. Um, yeah, basically the ability to go ahead and use the right parameters to find a better result. Sure. Yeah. So prompt engineering is becoming more and more of a thing. And at first I thought it was complete and utter, you know, oh, these people are just insane. But the more I've looked into it, the more I've realized that that's truly the difference between who thinks this thing is going to be revolutionary and who thinks this thing is complete nonsense and, like you said, capable of very low-grade work. Because at the end of the day, if you really truly know how to utilize this thing, if you know how to talk to it, if you start using some prompt engineering, you're going to be blown away by some of the results it can give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, one of the most common prompt engineering tactics is um, asking questions as though you were a journalist. Uh, at least that's how I know it. Um, who, what, when, and where. If you can provide in your first prompt the who, what, when, where, and why of what you're looking to accomplish, the better your prompt, the better the results. So you can yep. get incredibly in-depth results because of what you're doing. And again, it's not statistics. The, this is a sophisticated transformer model pulling all the data it has in its repository to provide you with the best possible response. That it, it is not generate. It is not just trying to respond to whatever the next word in the sentence is. That's the misnomer. Now, it does have that, so you have to be aware of that. It will lie to you, and you need to be aware of the fact that it's going to lie to you, and it's going to sound like it's correct. So you need to make sure you, you make sure it works for what you need it to. And I think that's where, like, I agree, because I wasn't just trying to ask general questions of it, and I try to do very pointed questions, and I still was fairly, and again, I this is me just messing around with it in my own free time. 
I would agree that there's a lot more research out there. I'm sure there are far more intelligent, you know, or well-educated people like yourself who are more familiar with what to go ahead and do with AI. Um, but just even when I was asking very pointed, very specific questions, given to that who, what, where, and why, um, it still was just lackluster, no matter what it was that I was going ahead and provide. And again, I think maybe that's gonna be a long-term thing, um, but it's just, I look at it and I'm like, eh. Sure. I mean, again, it's a cool technology to see what's going to happen. Right now, I think it's largely hype. Now, understand a couple of things as well. And I think this is where experts, such as yourself, you have a lot of expertise in a certain field, specifically things like finance, alternative investments, such like that. Um, a lot of experts who are looking for expert level knowledge from this thing are going to be disappointed. You can coax expert level knowledge out of this thing if you really wanted to it's not going to be the greatest it's not going to be revolutionizing what you already know it's possible but the thing to understand is that this is a general purpose language model at the moment and that's where transformers yeah. are the real cool thing happening here sure. chat gpt is just one application of such a thing mm -hmm. the real invention agree, is gpt GPT 3.5, GPT 4, the various different generations. Because while they are generally well-read, just like any person who is well-read, if they have a diverse, very broad understanding of many topics, they're not going to have a very depth-oriented knowledge of any particular topic. Mm. But these transformer models can be trained to be specifically domain specific. That's actually, yeah. um, so I don't want to keep rambling, but um, no, I can't please. say too much because it's currently something that is not in development yeah. and I'm pretty sure it would come up against a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, but it's occupational hazard, I understand. I'm currently in development with the Skunk Works and my company standing up a domain knowledge specific language model. We've in fact taken a uh, open AI was grateful and uh, granting us access to the 3.5 turbo model. Mm. Um, that's the prior model to GPT four, the one that kind of started this whole chat GPT hype. Uh, it's still a very good model, but we've been able to get that model in hand, a copy of it. And we're now training it specifically with our data. And I'm just being blown away by the results. Oh, I believe it. Um, I think, trying to think of a good way to word this question um because we kind of talked about it already we uh ai is really good at it's really good at giving a result based off of the inquiry it is not very good at context is kind of like what we've talked about now again this is where i think it's tough maybe you know more who knows what the future is going to go ahead and hold for that but I'm thinking like all these different things that people are talking about as relates to customer service, um, you know, going ahead and doing search queries online. Like I think it can get very like obviously the basic information and I'm sure you can go ahead and like what you're doing, you know, train it in something that is more domain specific, something that's going to be more of an expert in a particular field. But even still, I can't help but feel it doesn't get past the search engine hurdle. It never becomes something that is, this is the part that I've, I'm having a hard time wording. It never gets to the point of being 
helpful, like it's going ahead and lending a hand outside of just answering your question. Sure. So I would agree with that primarily because here's, okay, again, this is actually an agree-disagree scenario. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> but your primary exposure as someone who is a lay person when it comes to uh, AI and programming languages like this. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, I don't mean programming language. I mean language models. But the big thing is your exposure to this is primarily going to be through chat-based interfaces like this. So yeah, you're absolutely right. The most you're ever going to see come of this is more or less the evolution of search in a way, which you know definitely has Google spooked. But for the most part, outside of this, you're personally not going to see too many uses of transformer models. However, I think this is where, it, again, it's a very innovate, big innovation that's going to mm -hmm. revolutionize a lot of things because a transformer model suddenly becomes a crucial component of multiple different software. Uh, large software projects are going to be utilizing this to do all of their language processing. You're never going to chat with it. You're never going to interface with it, but it's going to take whatever text it's been presented with. Say a piece of software has uh, some written text that it's looking through for documentation. It's going to be able to take that text, process it, and then in that processing, its results will further trigger various different functions within the software itself. So think of it more hmm. as a component of a large piece of software sure. that gives it a huge boost in intelligence and ability to process language, both written and spoken. And that's where you truly start to see the power of this thing. But yeah, you're right. Uh, your average person isn't really going to see much more than ChatGPT and its rather parlor trick nature. Yeah. And I, uh, and again, it's probably the fact that I don't fully understand exactly where you're going with the example. Um, even kind of what you're describing on a very basic level, though, it sounds more like a nice shortcut to do something. It doesn't sound like it's actually going to, again, it's not going to do, it's not going to go ahead and predict what should happen instead. Because I think this is the thing. Ultimately, when we talk about like AI, like we think about it's artificial intelligence. I think sure. what we're really describing, and I know this is a huge simplification, and I, I mean this partially in jest, partially like, no, this is actually kind of what it feels like, is like, these are really big spreadsheets. And I know I've made that joke before. <laughs> but the, the thing is, is like when we think about artificial intelligence, what we're really looking for is something that is going to think intelligently and provide information we didn't think about going ahead and asking the right question for. I mean, that's the better way to kind of propose what I'm what I'm getting at is like, we are providing the query. The AI does not understand the context of why we're asking it. And because of that, or even even if, even if, it, even if it didn't have context, uh, it, it just doesn't know to go ahead and say, hey, you're asking about this. Is this actually why you're going down this road? Like, can I offer these solutions as well? And I know that like search engines kind of do that based off of like, obviously the query itself. But I'm talking about something that thinks a little bit further, like kind of, you know, step or two ahead. Something that's a little bit more of a human thinking capability and i just don't see that happening right now sure if you're if you're if you're saying that these things aren't going to be able to think humanly um you're absolutely right these are not humans they are well, absolutely ultimately yeah. going to be purpose-built machines anybody who thinks that we've suddenly stumbled across uh you know what are they calling it like general purpose ai <laughs> um they're fucking dumb Let's just let's just say it. Anybody 
I will say this emphatically. I will say this passionately. Anybody, anybody who truly thinks that we have somehow discovered general artificial intelligence life. is an idiot, an absolute dunce well, of an idiot. They uh, are just language models. Then hopefully you've canceled your New York Times subscription. Oh God, don't <laughs> don't get me started. The the state of education uh, in America no. is truly truly horrific i mean i do agree there no I, and i think that's a big part of it as well is people and this is where again i'm going to go back to i think this is largely a hype machine i, I think I, let's separate the two things i think it's largely a hype machine that we're seeing in current news in current media like yeah are these things happening is ai important i think so i think ai is going to be a valuable tool i think you're absolutely correct i think there are applications that we don't fully understand yet i'm sure we're going to find even more applications for it. I just, uh, with the way, I think there's a, to your point, there's that separation of like, there's this hype machine that exists out there around it that companies are latching on to that, you know, AI is going to change all these things in the future. Whereas like you're saying, no, it's going to be a really helpful tool. And that's what we need to continue to pursue. That's, I guess, really what I was getting at at the very start is I think there's these kind of this divergence of thinking around it. You've got the people who are actually like yourself, who are actually thinking about how to utilize this. And you've got the the group and really the the true uh, kind of group think that exists in society right now that AI is this completely strange, obscure monster that's going to go ahead and change everything. Certainly. We always fear what we don't understand. And this is one of the core concepts that I see time and time again, whenever we're talking about technology in the public space, people don't understand technology. People don't understand what they're doing when they navigate to a web page. Your average person doesn't grasp the power that they have access to on a daily basis. It's There's a lot to be said about the state of intelligence in our world. There are a lot of really um, good things, a lot of things that truly give me hope and make me have a positive outlook on life. The public is not one of them. <laughs> I think that's been true for a very long time. I don't think there's been ever a generation where at least for the most part. And again, obviously psych from a psychology perspective, everyone thinks they tend to be more intelligent than the average person. Um, there is, I think there's always going to be like a, here's the general public. I think that largely comes down to the fact that we get so specialized in particular things. It's the Dunning Kruger effect, or at least kind of partially the Dunning Kruger effect where you get so specialized in something that because you understand that very well, then clearly you must understand everything else very well. So I think that's a big thing that definitely um, kind of affects society as a whole. So I will agree there. I do think at the same time, public education seriously needs some love. Uh, but that's a completely another topic yeah. not related to pop culture. <laughs> yeah. Biggest thing is we want to avoid anything terribly too in depth in that regard. And that's kind of why I stem I, I stymie a lot of what I'm saying here. Yeah. Um, no worries. But coming back to it, the big thing here is this is an incredible tool. That was developed. Yeah. This is something that comes from academia. So it's not just a, a fourth wind of bullshit coming by because somebody's looking to make a buck. There's definitely going some to that. be that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, anytime anything becomes popular, anytime anything becomes in the public eye, you have a problem with the signal to noise ratio. There's more noise than there is signal, and you got to deal with that. So yeah, you got to cut through all the the people talking about how it's somehow a sentient 
you know, life form. We somehow created a true intelligence and, oh, this is going to ruin everybody's life. The truth is always in between extremes. So if you really try to truly understand where this is all headed, basically, this is just further progress in automation. We've been automating things since pretty yeah. much computers came out. This is more automation coming down the pipeline. It's not the thing that's going to automate all of our lives away, but it is definitely the next step in automating a lot of the the stuff out there. I just want better search results. Going back to the point we talked about just a little yes, bit. Yes, let's okay. talk about Google. Because holy cow, I think everyone can agree. Anybody who uses a search engine, I don't care if it's Bing or Google. I mean, obviously most people use Google. Um, the results have been just abysmal with SEO, with ads, like you name it. It feels like the web as a whole, at least trying to find really you know important information that's novel or you know not trying to sell you something um, is nearly impossible now at this point. You're just kind of going based off of hearsay of what other people find and hopefully are aware of, or they generate themselves and then they go ahead and you know put it on their own social media accounts. Mm -hmm. But yeah, search now, aside from kind of general inquiries, like, hey, how do I spell this word? Or uh, what's the definition of this word? Or, you know, what time does the solstice start? I don't know. Things like that. Like, those are very simple questions that are kind of factually based that are easy to find. But if you ever want opinions from Google or like, referrals good luck you're just gonna oh, find whoever's sure. sp spending the most money yeah um this is so there's a lot to unpack here i just going to get to it but the reason why this has all become suddenly a big public thing and the reason why this is we're undergoing a hype cycle around all of this ultimately comes down to one single thing microsoft invested 10 billion dollars into open ai because they mm -hmm. saw a prime opportunity to take market share from one of their biggest competitors, which Absolutely. is Google. And just, to, and just to interject real quick, OpenAI is the developer for ChatGPT, for people who aren't familiar. Correct. OpenAI does a lot of really cool work. I'll get into them at some point. But coming back to this, Google, the biggest thing here, all of this revolves around Google and its institutional failures. For the longest time, Google has been trying so desperately, both genuinely and not so genuinely when you really look back on it, but they've been trying so desperately to get out from under their own weight because <laughs> search is the number one thing that is both their greatest thing and their oh, worst yeah. thing. Um, I, I can't help but draw a parallel to the Balmer era of Microsoft. Yes. Oh, man. So uh, for those who are listening who may not know, Nick and I both kind of worked at Microsoft briefly uh, during the Balmer era. So we actually got a first front row seat to a lot of this. Now, I'll uh, say that Balmer was a, uh, a very gracious CEO. I don't think he was the best for the company, but I do think he was a very gracious person. I think he had a lot of ideas. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> if Microsoft was not like a Fortune 5 company, um, I think he would have genuinely made some really oh, I, cool technology. I think, right. I think he adopted, he adapted well into taking on Apple, a whole bunch of things. Um, I just think because of Microsoft's history, as well as its own position in the world, none of what he was doing 
would have done anything except drag the company down from uh, its he, top rated yeah, position. He was in a tough spot. But anyways, you were talking True. about uh, Google, obviously, kind of at an institutional point to starting to fail. Yes. So the big thing here is that for the longest time, Google has struggled to actually ship products. Um, mm. Anybody who's been paying attention to what they have been shipping and such knows that a lot of what they ship dies within a year. Yeah, they beat Microsoft in that in that way. They kill so many products. It's almost a joke. In fact, it became a running joke in a lot of circles. There's a website out there called Google Graveyard. If you look it up, um, you'll actually see it's just them keeping an account of (laughs) all the various projects and features and software and other things that Google has prior shipped and then killed. It is list. It is a ridiculously long list. Oh my god! But it's list. it's indicative of this issue, these institutional failures that Google has been undergoing, sure. and there's a lot of speculation as to why this is the case. Um, my own personal view on this is that Google, for the longest time, especially in particular circles, became known as being the place where smart people, the educated oh, sure. people, yeah. went to work. So if you were the kind of guy who thought you were the smartest guy in the room at all times, you would want to go work at Google. So it attracted a certain type of person and it attracted a highly educated and highly self-motivated, one would say egotistical person. But you have a particularly strong set of people Definitely. I will not deny that they are incredibly intelligent, incredibly smart. Google shows this on a a regular basis. But because they hyper-focused on this core group of people, their culture became that core group of people. And what do those core group of people care about? They care about their personal prestige. They don't care about shipping product. They don't care if customers or the public like what they do. They just want to be the smartest person in the room. So what are they going to do? They're going to play cutthroat politics, and that's their entire focus. So, Get a lot of opinions yeah. here, huh? <laughs> uh, I, Google has been one of those things of I've always been trying to root it on because it's done so much good in the past, only to be let down so many times. Yeah. I think that's the nature of a lot of um, tech companies in general. Um, you talk about um, people desiring to go to Google. And again, not to draw too many parallels here, but I see the parallel to Samsung, same boat, yep. uh, where they want to go ahead and try to, you know, they're the big player in in the East. Um, as it comes to electronics, it's like, you know, you want to go work there if you're a super smart person. I think it's a little bit different in Asian, Asian culture. So I'm not going to go ahead and say it's a direct parallel. I just see a little bit of it, especially with Samsung really struggling as of late. Oh, certainly. Um, no, yeah, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right uh, with Microsoft having made a huge investment into open AI. Um, obviously, they have a huge vested interest in, one, competing with Google, but two, creating the next product that they're going to be able to go ahead and, and put out there in some fashion. Um, I think, I just, I don't really see... And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Again, I, I think this is the tough part about predicting the future, especially with something like technology. I think technology is just nearly impossible to try to go ahead and peg to exactly where it's going to go. Um, I just it it looks like the current trajectory is far more along the lines of replacing search engines, like we've been saying. 
I would agree. I think it's we're ultimately going to see this kind of technology baked into a lot of search engines. Google will eventually be forced to do something along these lines. I know they have Bard and all that. Um, but originally, Microsoft invested for the sole reason of they knew it would catch Google in an innovator's dilemma. And for those yeah. listening who do not know what an innovator's dilemma is, it's a common thing amongst big tech companies. But it's the idea that in order to further improve your product, you would have to be taking market share from your currently successful products. For instance, cannibalism. Yeah, yeah, you would have to cannibalize your product. For instance, when when ChatGPT blew up, Microsoft did this whole investment. The big concern, and you saw this in all of the uh, the investor calls for Alphabet, uh, the parent company Google, uh, as well as anybody who talked in a professional capacity with Googlers, they were terrified. Because Google's entire business model hinges on you going to Google.com and them showing oh, you yeah. ads amongst the search results. Uh, it's a big issue for why Google has gotten so bad at what it does, because their core product... It's a conflict of interest. It is. Uh, they, the only way you use their product is if you get what you want from it. What you don't want from it is a bunch of ads and nonsense that people are spamming at you. Yeah, so you they're want the con- right answer, yeah. not the one that they recommend. Absolutely. Google is an incredible piece of technology that has sadly fallen on hard times because of capitalism. Um, but basically, mm-hmm. the only way Google makes money is by shoving more unwanted results amongst the results that you are asking for. Sure. So suddenly, there's these chatbots on the scene that allow you to just simply ask them and get a response. There's no ad links there's no you know you can't insert an ad into the response in a fluid coherent way that makes sense that people aren't just going to go what the heck and stop using it so there's a lot of questions regarding that now i do say you can't add ads to the responses but i think bing is kind of showing that you more or less can give it time yeah Yeah. i I do believe eventually we're going to get to that point um but regardless it's not impossible to get out of an innovator's dilemma here. I do oh, no. eventually see Bard and Google overtaking all the other competitors eventually. You think so? Yeah. Because again, um, if you look at the seminal paper around Transformers, it is literally called Attention is All You Need. Because when we developed a, an attention mechanism for Transformers, only thing left at that point was data and who has the most data of all the tech companies it's big old google sure so at the end of the day what we're going to see is that all of these chat bot organizations open ai um google microsoft technically because they're just using open ai anybody who wants to compete in this space it will eventually be a race to who has most access to data possible and that's it. Well, it's that's that's always been the, the case. It's going to be that way for, I don't probably forever. For sure. Um, yeah, I think it's just the it's the um, the race to the bottom. Uh, the margins are going to shrink between the different companies that exist there. I, I don't mean margins like the financial sense. I'm trying to find a better word for it. Um, the the differences between the data between all the companies will eventually come to a. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? What am I? You know, when you get 
you, you reach the end point where basically everybody's on the same playing field. Certainly. It's basically the race at the bottom, but I'm, there's a probably a phrase or a word for it. Uh, it's um, basically what you're saying. You know, the, yeah. the overall cost, you know, decreases, but also the overall benefit of it decreases. It's a race to the bottom. So everyone's trying to provide the cheapest product possible. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, I think that's, I think it's difficult to say exactly where things are going to land, but I can I can see exactly what you mean. Obviously, Google, you know, huge player in terms of data. Um, I think this is a good segue into kind of an ethical discussion to kind of close things out. Sure. So I'm a risk guy at the end of the day. That's that's my job. I do risk, uh, risk analysis and such. So when I look at things like AI and specifically like ChatGPT, who is more or less just taking the data from wherever the heck they want. Um, at least from what it sounds like they claim it's, you know, from a lot of the reputable sources, but like you mentioned, they're taking it kind of from you know, other places like Reddit and websites and other, uh, social media you know, platforms and you name it. So ultimately, um, that brings the begs the question, this kind of goes into the art realm as well is taking all of this information and going ahead and regurgitating something that's kind of a Frankenstein of results. What, where does that put us? Like, are we, I foresee a future where we're going to have a difficult time allowing just, you know, people to go ahead and generate as much blog text as they want on whatever topic they want from all of the resources that exist on the internet. There's going to have, something's going to break there either legally or systems are going to have to change or the resources are going to have to get compensated in some way. Something's going to have to change there. Certainly. So there's two ways to look at this. I'd say the public internet is basically screwed is the, the thesis statement of that's, that's what been I'm the way for a while for, for certain, but you basically, the reason why open AI is trying their hardest to try and keep these models from being, just out there and open sourced is because everybody in the space recognizes the main danger. And the main danger is SEO spam. These tools mm -hmm. absolutely empower spammers and scammers and people trying to just make a quick, easy buck. So at the end of the day, they pull their data from the internet. And if they're pulling their data from the internet and they're providing basically the means by which the people to spam the internet, the quality of the results on these things will ultimately decrease over time. That's just it. Yeah. Because after a point, it's garbage in. And what do you get when garbage goes in? Garbage out. So garbage in, garbage out will eventually become the rule of law on the internet. So, so I'm, I'm envisioning as we speak a more private ecosystem-based internet where you're going to see most people are not going to be spending their time on random blogs. They're not going to be doing things such as search engines very much. There's there going to be any be... organic search. Organic search is going to more or less decrease over time. It'll still be technically around, but it, as the line blurs between how we recognize spam versus organic, you and I are probably going to stop using it as we That's... stop seeing the quality out of it. So the irony in what you're saying there is that AI is going to make the internet so bad that we have to go back to using people to go ahead and find search results. Uh, here, th this is where I think maybe yes and no again. <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate. I know, but, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's something to be said about this. This is this is more or less end game for the internet as I see it. 
Um, I do not see the public internet coming back from this without just being utterly devastated and an apocalyptic sort of scenario of sorts for the internet. Websites are going to be trashed with spam. Most of the results you're going to find on uh, search engines are going to be spam. There will be basically no reason to go outside of a core few websites each user uses. I think um, that's a really good use case and a good ode to social media, in my opinion, because I could see social media being essentially a human sourced search engine. Um, you're basically going to your influencers. I hate using that word, but you know, you go to your people that you follow, you go ahead and you, you find these more or less these internet celebrities and the things that they go ahead and suggest and recommend, which obviously creates its own problems. But I see that being more reliable because um, we can trust people, we can analyze people um, versus like you're saying, obviously the internet, which is in theory, you're just going to kind of get worse in terms of the results. Certainly. Um, it depends. It really does depend because any open platform of social media that would be open enough to really be a true social network is also going to run afoul of a lot of what I'm talking about. A simple virtue of its public. If yeah. it, here's the thing. What I'm ultimately getting at is there are two futures, one for the public, one for the private. Oh, yeah. The public, I'm seeing nothing but destruction and apocalypse for the internet. For the private, however, this is where things get really interesting. Because basically, and this is why I've been working as I have been within my company, the people who set up their own specialized models within their own closed ecosystems are truly going to be the ones who benefit from this technology. Because they're going to be able to say and do what they want with that model, and they'll have basically hoarded it like a dragon inside of their tiny little private internet. I'm going to go ahead and coin something here, because what you're describing is something I've thought about a lot in a lot of different ways, specifically over the last, um, see how long have I been married? Eight years. Um, I'm going to coin it right now. I'm going to call it the Disney World effect. And the reason I call it that is because ultimately, in order to go ahead and truly enjoy Disney World, you have to plan the shit out of it because you need to go ahead and have an idea of exactly what you want to do. And then at least roughly, you know, give yourself the allotment of time to go ahead and do the things that you want. You need to be on top of your fast passes. You need to go ahead and make sure that you've got everything scheduled for your dinners, your for your meals, your hotels already. You've gone ahead and done the research in terms of the weather. You've got everything planned out to a T so that you can best enjoy it. Because if you don't, then the result is that you're waiting in line for hours you may not even get your reservation. You may not even get to eat the food that you've wanted at some point. Um, but being big fans, my family of Disney world, uh, it is something that we've kind of figured out over time is that like, you need to be on top of the game there. You can't not be because if you aren't one more and more people are going to Disney world every year. So you have to con consistently get better than the rest of the competition because that is how you're going to optimize it and that's a very type a thing to say but yeah my point is uh it is i'm not talking about like you have to be competitive like oh you know i'm gonna stop and smell the flowers no it's like it's more like you there is a there is a deficit there is a negative impact to you for not being prepared and i think that's kind of what we're alluding to here as well is that you need to be on top of it you need to be planning you need to be prepared for the changes that you do eventually see coming. 
you're definitely speaking from experience and i will definitely say as your brother who knows you you are the most type a person i've ever met so i am not I am at all not surprised by a. this i am not that type a no you are so type a you have no idea uh i'm partially type a i'll agree with that either but way i know type a. i know people who are far more type a than oh me. i'm sure there are plenty more but you are still the best one of all of all right. the people i know regardless of the I'll fact you are you're again i'm gonna say it you're both right and wrong so the big thing that's here, the answer to most questions Come it on. is so yeah, you're absolutely right. With the cost of intelligence going to zero or darn close to a zero, people who do not make use of that intelligence are going to find their lives so much worse off. Because simply being, you're going to be outsmarted by everybody in anything. Anybody yeah. who could possibly potentially make a buck off of you is it's going to markets. try to do so. So yeah. you become a hot commodity by simple virtue of you're not paying attention. Uh, conversely, yep. however, I don't think you need to treat it as a zero-sum game. And I think that's yeah. where, yeah. this is where I say, okay, this is this is getting into a lot of my own personal beliefs, so please take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> but this is where I say America and its system of working in capitalism is wholly not prepared for the future. This oh, it's not. future that oh, this man. is bringing us is going to devastate this country. I I think uh, though, wow, he, that's a whole nother topic. A lot of which I've been doing research on, and we could easily have an episode on that. Probably not in reboot culture because that's certainly uh, yeah. We don't want to venture into politics more... here. <laughs> yeah. We start getting into some weird territory. Um, but you know, there might be a, a sister show we can go ahead and do at some point with that. Um, I think you're right. I think that technology is changing. Um, I'm in the same boat with my personal beliefs. Again, not going to get into it right now. Um, I think the systems of government, the systems of economics that we currently have are not going to be able to go ahead and survive. I'm not suggesting that socialism is necessarily the answer. I'm just saying that things are going to change. I will. Um, well, and that's why we have to have a debate because I don't think that's the answer either. Um, no, I think you're right. I think we've seen it over the last 20, 30 years of the public internet really being in circulation being available to people is that it really like it's gotten better and then we tapered off and just like the very first episode of what we talked about with um, uh, geeks mops and sociopaths is eventually you reach the apex where everything's great and then the sociopaths take over and just make it awful and then eventually we're going to have some different iterations of the internet that exist at some point so i definitely agree there heck yeah man yeah bringing it all back to episode one i totally agree so absolutely the way to look at it. Um, Future is going to be both amazing and terrifying. So, which is that's that's all of human history. Oh, for sure. Anybody it's living through both. history never recognizes <laughs> it, right? Yeah, but well, that's just it. I think the important part, and I think this is my maybe my closing statement here. Um, the important part is not to let this, not to let this seem like a zero sum game. Oh, I where there are suddenly a new way for a bunch of people to fight their way to the top and then have a chokehold on everybody down below them. Sure. The idea here is that this technology truly challenges us and the current system and the current status quo. If we have any hope as a society of being able to take this new technology, which is itself a neutral tool and making a better future out of this, we need to be wholly focused on how this impacts all of us and how yeah. this is going to matter 
when everything we do. You need to start looking at it from an optimistic standpoint, but you also be got, got to be very cautious because it'll take you for all you're worth if you're not careful. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. Definitely the, the mantra to live by. What was that Scout's motto? Be prepared. Yeah, Scout's motto. You got it. There you go. All right. Well, Jake, thank you once again for going ahead and joining for the Reboot Culture Podcast. Really glad to have you on here again. I'm sure we'll do it again in the future, just by virtue of being related. Uh, but also, we just I think we always have some really good discussions, which was always the reason why I was interested in having you on these. Um, so Always thank you everyone for listening as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and thank you everyone else for listening. Uh, definitely go ahead and drop us a like, you can go ahead, go ahead and subscribe on whatever platform that you're on. Um, feel free to go ahead and let your friends and family know because yeah, everything helps out, but beyond that, uh, thank you as always to everyone for listening. Hope you have yourself a great day. And until next time, talk to you later. Promo code. We need a better out. I need a better outro. No, dude, that works. Don't don't yeah. kid yourself. If you want to start refining it, by all means, you're welcome to. But I think that was good.